Would you remain standing in honor of God's word? By the way, you don't want to miss next weekend. My spiritual dad is going to be here. He's going to minister all weekend. You don't want to miss it. Um, he, his, his name used to be Kingsley Fletcher, but that name is gone now because he operates as a king in Africa and he spends about six months there. And his African name is his royal majesty, Drolo Boso Adamte the first. And let me tell you what, if you need a miracle or you know somebody who needs a miracle, you better get here. Because God uses him in the supernatural like I've never seen God use anybody in the supernatural. So if you're watching online, next week is the week that you want to be here. And so uh, that's at all of our services he's going to be ministering. John chapter number 10, verse number 10. This is our scripture for this series where we are talking about getting your life back. It says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came to not just give us any kind of life, but abundant life, eternal spiritual life on the inside that overflows onto everything on the outside. And I don't know about you, but I want an overflowing life. I want life that is so strong, the God kind of life on the inside of me that it affects and touches and changes and transforms everything that's outside of me. And in John chapter number 10, Jesus Jesus gives us all sorts of keys to how to walk in this kind of life. And I want to zero in on verse number 7, John chapter 10, verse number 7 for today's key. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. My subject is simple today. Jesus is the door. He is the door to abundant life. He is the door to the life that we want. He is the door through which we can go and receive all of the promises of God. He is the door through, through which the life that we all want is inextricably linked to. Jesus is the door. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you and thank you for your word and how it just encourages us and teaches us and transforms us. I pray it speaks to every heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you may be seated. In theology, there is something known as anthropomorphic terms, anthropomorphic terms. And these are terms that are similes or um, kind of metaphors to help us to describe spiritual truths. And they're all throughout the Bible. For example, when the Bible says the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, it doesn't mean that God slapped his big flesh hook on Elijah. It basically means that the strength and the anointing of God and the supernatural power of God came upon Elijah. When the scripture says that God will cover us with his feathers, it doesn't mean that God is a great big chicken. It just means that as a hen broods over her egg, so God covers and protects us. And so when Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. He isn't saying that I am a wood structure with a brass knob. We need to understand literally what he's telling us. He's telling us that he is our point of entry or our point of access to certain things in life, to the abundant life, to the God kind of life that we could not get 
any other way. Jesus is our point of access. Another way of saying what Jesus is saying is there are certain things that we long for, things that we need, things that the Father wants to bless us with that we can only access through Jesus who is the door. He is not a door, but he is the door. In other words, you can go in life through a lot of different doors and wind up in a lot of different places and spaces. Some of those places and spaces are good and some of them are not good. But when you go through the door of Jesus, how many of you know you wind up in good places all of the time, in blessed places all of the time? Jesus is our door. He is the link to the life that we and all of mankind is really searching for. Mankind is searching for, has been, for the fountain of youth forever, right? Nowadays, we got all sorts of things. We got anti-aging creams and injections and topical solutions and a whole host of other things to keep us young. But Jesus said, if you come to me and believe in me, you'll never die. That's the fountain of youth. Mankind has been on a quest to be happy, right? People are doing whatever they can to be happy. Do you. If it feels good, do it. Express you. Be you. As long as it makes you happy, it's all right. But Jesus said, if you come to me, I can give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. He is the door to what mankind is seeking. Mankind is seeking peace and rest. Popping, you know, uh, sleeping pills and anxiety medication like it's candy these days, right? If you're a little depressed, the doctor doesn't even ask you if anything's going on in your life. Just here, take this and it'll help you out, right? Why? Because people want peace and rest. But Jesus said, come on to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is the door through which everything that mankind is searching for can be accessed. And yet... We seem to not choose that door. So I want to encourage you about a few things that Jesus can give us access to. A few um, things that he wants to bless your life with. Number one, Jesus is the door to opportunity. He's the door to opportunity. So many people in life are always looking for the next great opportunity, right? People live for opportunity. Jesus is the door to opportunity. Revelation 3, 7, he sa- it says this. These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts. Jesus is telling us that he is the door to opportunity, but specifically he's telling us that hell cannot keep a door shut that he can't open. Let me say it again. Hell cannot keep a door shut that he can't open. Notice what he says. He says, I hold the key of David. Did not hell try to shut the door of opportunity in David's face? It tried its best, right? David was an overlooked shepherd boy. Number eight of eight boys in the family. That means he was the last in line for promotion. Not just overlooked, but according to some theologians, he was the byproduct of a love affair of his father, Jesse. And that's why some believe that he wrote in Psalm 51, verse number five, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. Some theologians believe that he was a bastard child. Perhaps Jesse was ashamed of him. Perhaps his brothers despised him because of this. And so when it was time for the door of opportunity to come to the house of Jesse and one of his children to be anointed as Israel's next king by Samuel the prophet, Jesse lined up seven of his sons and he left David out. 
Hell was trying to shut the door on David. But hell cannot keep a door shut that Jesus can't open because he said he is the door to opportunity. So Samuel looked everyone over. Everyone else ever boy says, he looks good, but he ain't it. He looks good, but he ain't it. By the way, that's a word for somebody right there. He looks good, but he ain't it. Don't just go by what it looks like, right? Go by what is what you feel down here in your spirit. All seven of them. He looks good. He's not it. He looks good. He's not it. He looks good. He's not it. And then listen to the conversation. Samuel said to Jesse, 1 Samuel 16, verse 11, Are all the young men here? Then he said, well, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is out there. See him? He's tending the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Remember that phrase. We will not sit down till he comes here. And so he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for he is the one. Listen to me. Don't you dare get jealous of the opportunities presented to others. The good things happening in other people's lives or the times that people overlook you or try to keep you down because hell cannot keep a door shut that God can't open. Hell may try to lock you out, leave you behind, overlook you, but Jesus is your door. He holds the key of David, the key to the young man's life who should have never been king, the key to the young man's life who was least likely to become king, the key to the young man's life who was an oops when he began, but Jesus is his door, and when Jesus opens a door, nobody can shut it, so follow him, stick with him, do it his way. He will open the doors in your life that need to be open to do what he has designed you to do, to fulfill the dream that he's put in your heart, to fulfill the calling on his life. I like what Samuel said. We're not even going to sit down till he comes here. What is he saying? We're holding the door open until he walks through it. And can't nobody shut that door. Why? Because the hand of God is keeping it open. And people can fight all they want, but you know what? Jesus Jesus is our door to opportunity. Amen? But then number two, Jesus is our door to protection. Not only does he open doors that no man can shut, but look at Revelation again. Revelation 3, 7. He says, he opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. We get all excited about open doors, don't we? Oh, this opportunity came my way. Praise God, this, this promotion came my way. Thank God, this open door. I'm so excited about the open door. But what happens when things don't go the way you're expecting? What happens when the door doesn't open? Pastor, I was believing for the promotion, and I didn't get it. Pastor, I was believing for the loan to go through, and it didn't. Pastor, I was believing for the relationship to work out, and they left me so often. We get discouraged. We feel like God has let us down. But I want to remind you of two things about God when the door closes. Number one, God can see the end from the beginning. How many of you know God can see the big picture? God knows where every road is leading in your life. He knows the dead ends. He sees around the corner. It might look great to us, but we can't see the danger. We can't see the heartache. We can't see the trouble up ahead, but God sees it all, and God knows what's best for us. Many times, God is sparing us, and we don't even know it. 
I read a story about this young lady. She was complaining about everything that went wrong in her day. She said, God, why did you allow so many bad things to happen to me? My alarm didn't go off, and I was late for work. At lunch, they made my sandwich wrong, and I had to send it back. I was driving, and right in the middle of my conversation, the cell phone dropped. Right in the middle. And she said, to top it all off, I got home, and I wanted to put my feet in the foot massager, and the thing wouldn't even turn on. God, why did you allow so many bad things to happen to me? And God said, well, all right, let me go down the list. He said, your alarm didn't go off because there was a drunk driver on the freeway. I delayed you on purpose so you wouldn't be harmed. And your sandwich that you had to send back, well, the person that prepared it wasn't feeling well that day, and so I didn't want you to catch what they have. The phone call driving home, well, it dropped on purpose because the person on the other line was about to tell you all sorts of bad stuff about somebody else, and I didn't want you contaminated. And if you really want to know why the foot massager wouldn't go on, because it had to shorten it. And if it went on, you would have blew all the lights in the house, and I didn't think you wanted to spend your night in the dark. How many of you know God knows what he's doing? God can see the beginning from the end in our life. God knows exactly what he's doing. He's working things together for your good. Even the things that we don't understand, even the things that don't make sense on this side of eternity, God sees the beginning from the end and he's looking out for us, not only in the open doors, but also in the closed doors. And so keep a good attitude when a door gets closed in your life. I love what it says about when Samuel came in to anoint David and he was called into the room. It says, so he sent him and he brought him in and he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. You know, how many of you know bright eyes are only on the countenance of somebody that's got joy? Somebody that's, you don't see bright eyes on somebody who's sullen. You don't see bright eyes on somebody who's disappointed about what's happening in their life. You don't see bright eyes on somebody who's concerned that a door is being opened for somebody else. But David walked in there knowing he was overlooked and he still had bright eyes. You know why? Because he was content with knowing that when God opens the door, no man can shut it and if God shuts the door no man can open it David knew and was fine with the fact that God was seeing the beginning from the end in his life keep a good attitude even when the door closes in your life but number two if the door closes what I want you to remember about God is he has your best best interest at heart do we really believe that about God because sometimes we throw pity parties and we, we get mad as though God doesn't really have our best interest at heart. How many of you know he's a good, good father? How many of you know that when a dad says no, he doesn't say no because he just wants to be a killjoy? When a dad says no, he doesn't say no because he wants to rain on your parade? When a dad says no, he's looking out for you. He's got your best interest at heart. He may not always be able to say why he's saying no because you may not understand it. You may be too young, too immature. You may not have the perspective, but you had to rest assured in the goodness of God. He's always got your best interest at heart. And, I, and Jeremiah 29 verse 11 tells us this. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare. That's for your good and not for evil. To give you future and a hope. Here's what that means. It means even when the door closes, God's got your best interest at heart. Maybe God is closing the door because you're believing too small. 
Maybe God is closing the door because he knows if he opens that door for you, you'll walk through it and you'll just settle for that and never really achieve what he had in mind for you. Maybe God is closing the door because it's not the right time for you. Maybe you need to prepare more, train more, so that when that door does open for you, you're ready for that door instead of being ruined by the opportunity. Opportunity that comes too fast when you're not ready for it can ruin you. How many athletes have tanked in their lives because they went from rags to riches overnight and they weren't ready to handle money? And sure, they got success, but their life became a wreck. They got hooked on drugs and they got hooked on all sorts of addictions and things like that. They weren't ready for it. And so thank God for those closed doors. He's got our best interests at mind. Thank God when he closes the door, sometimes it's because there's danger. Maybe the reason why you didn't get the promotion is because the company that was going to promote you is going to go into bankruptcy next year and have to lay you off. Maybe the reason why you didn't get the job is because you'd be working with somebody that would hurt your faith. And God knew that that wasn't a good situation for you. Can we be comfortable? Can we get to the place in our life where we are comfortable that God knows the plans he has for us, even if we don't know the whole plan that he has for us? Can we be comfortable with the fact that if the door closes, it's because God's got our best interests at mind and that he's a good, good father? Through every open door and every closed door, the Bible says that God is ordering our steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I used to get disappointed at closed doors. Now I get excited when I see them. Because how many of you know, I don't want to waste time on things that are not from the Lord, right? You can have an open door because the enemy will open a door for you sometimes. And that's why we've got to go by what the Spirit says on the inside of us because we waste a lot of time. And then there are other times when the door is closed and we know it's not God. And what do we try to do? We try to rip that thing open from the hinge because by God, we're going to get what we want, even if it's not from the Lord. We've got to trust God through every open door and every closed door. God is ordering our steps because he has our best interests at heart. I remember years ago, 12 years ago now, maybe even 13, when I had to declare bankruptcy because I was the victim of fraud and we were about to lose our home. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I asked God to make a way that it wouldn't happen. I said, God, this is our family home. This is where we raised our kids. Well, that door closed, and I was disappointed, and I didn't understand. We loved that house, but the housing market had tanked during that period of time, and I didn't even think about this at the time, but we had negative 62.5% equity in the house, which meant that the house was only worth 62.5% of what I owed on the house. And so that door shut, and we lost that home. But a few years later, God provided a home, and that home is now worth double what I owe on it. That's 162.5% turnaround. How many of you know God knows what he's doing? How many of you know that when a door closes, keep a good attitude and say, you know what, God, I may not understand now. I may not be able to see it now. I might be disappointed. Now, but I believe you've got my best interests at heart. I remember when I was in high school, when I was a senior, I want I, I wanted to marry the girl that I was dating then. And I remember the relationship got on the rocks, and I prayed and prayed and prayed, God, make a way for us to stay together. And I knew that I knew that I knew that this wasn't God's best for me. 
And well, the relationship blew apart, and I didn't understand. It bothered me. It hurt me at the time. But two years later, God brought the woman of my dreams into my life. My wife, Lisa, and I got to tell you, I would never pick another woman in all the world. If I knew she was on the way, I would have never dated another girl in my entire life. My whole destiny was linked to her. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be your pastor today if God didn't bring her into my life. I wouldn't have Joey. I wouldn't have Nicole. Their lives wouldn't even be right now. I'd be a boring CPA attorney. It might sound like a good life, But how many of you know the God life is better than the good life? You got to keep a good attitude. Sometimes God closes those doors for our good. And I want to encourage, maybe there's some of you that are are feeling like, you know what, Pastor, I've had a really checkered past. Because how many of you know the enemy is the accuser of the brethren? You do something wrong, and the enemy won't let you live it down. But I want to remind you, God closes doors that no man can shut And when God closes a door on your past, as far as God is concerned, that's your past. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. People may try to open it up again. People may try to bring it up again. But how many of you know when God shuts the door, he says nobody can open it? I love what the scripture says in Acts chapter 9 about the coming to Christ of Saul of Tarsus. Matter of fact, when Saul got changed and he became the Apostle Paul, the disciples, they said, you know what? I don't think we can accept him. Look at what it says. One, one of the disciples says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief, chief priests to bind all who call upon your name. Listen to what God said. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. What was happening? The disciples of Jesus. How many of you know sometimes the saints will try to open your door? Sometimes the saints will try to get you to live in the painful past, live in the things that God has forgiven you of. But when God closes the door, God considers you new. God considers you to be a champion. God, matter of fact, he wants you to be a champion. That's what he turned the apostle Paul into, right? And so when God closes the door, we need to say, you know what, God, thank you for that closed door of protection. But number three, Jesus is also the door to deliverance. John chapter 10, verse number 9. Jesus said, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he'll go in and out and find pasture. Jesus not only gives us access to things because he's a door, but he also gives us exit from things because he's a door. That's good, isn't it? Not only does he get you into certain things, but I'm grateful that he's also a door that lets me out of certain things, in and out and find green pasture. It's been said that it's a jungle out there. Disorder and confusion everywhere. No one seems to care. Well, I do. Hey, who's in charge here? It's a jungle out there. Poison in the very air we breathe. Do you know what's in the water that you drink? Well, I do. It's amazing. People think I'm crazy because I worry all the time. If you paid attention, I'd be worried too. You better pay attention or this world we love might just kill you. Sorry, I'm just on a little monk rant right there. It's a jungle out there. Sometimes we can feel, right, like we are caught in a jungle and we have nowhere out. There's a story about an African safari and the guide is 
taking this guy through the safari. He's got a machete and he's whacking, whacking all the tall weeds and all the underbrush out of the way. And the traveler, as he's whacking, he's wearied, he's hot, he's frustrated. He says to the guy, he says, where are we? Do you know where you're taking me? Where's the path? And the seasoned guide stopped. He turned around. He looked at the man. He said, I am the path. How many of you know Jesus is the path? Jesus is the path when you're caught in the middle of a jungle and you don't know how to get out of it. And you know what he does? He makes a way where there is no way, right? He'll put a road through the ocean and a river in the desert. He is the path. He is your way out. He is your promise of deliverance. And that's why the scripture says in Psalm 50 verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Jesus is that door not only in the stuff but he's also a door and an exit out of stuff too many people trying to get free from things their own way jesus has got bondage breaking yoke destroying power he's not only your way into the good things of god he's your way out of the bad things of life but then number four and lastly jesus is the door to everything that the father has to offer John chapter 10, verse number 9 again. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved. And he will go in and out and find pasture. When I was meditating on this verse, God showed me three things about the green pastures. He said, number one, the green pastures are representative of all of the blessings that the Father has for us. Through Jesus, we can go into the Father and get everything that he has to offer us. We can go in and get provision. We can go in and get healing. We can go in and get forgiveness. We can go in and get restoration. We can go in and get a peace that passes all understanding, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. We can go in and get strength so that we mount up like wings, with wings like eagles. We can go into the throne of the Father because of the blood of the Son and get everything good that the Father has to offer us. And that's why John 16, 23 says, I say unto you, whatever you ask the Father In my name, he'll give it to you. Why? Jesus is the door. Jesus is the access way. You got to go through Jesus to get to all the blessings of the Father. But then number two, the green pastures are the presence of God. The presence of the Father. And so often all we do is go into the, 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 the throne room, if you will. Go before the Father to get what he has to give us. And that's cool, and God loves giving his children good gifts and all that. But I I like going into the throne room just for his presence. I like to go in there not so much for what he can give me, but what he can put on me. Because when you go in, how you go in, how many of you know, it affects how you come out. How you, when you go in, it affects how you live when you go out. And so when you go in, you go into joy. When you go in, you become brand new. When you go in, you get strong. When you go in, all of the struggles of life fall away. When you go in, you come out with power. And his presence is where we are changed. It's where we're transformed. It's where we're unburdened. It's where we're filled up. It's where we're renewed. You might go in for his blessings and that's okay, but I like going in just for his premise, presence. And God's presence is so good that when you go in for his presence, you can't help but leave with his promises because that's the kind of good God that we serve. God wants us to go into his presence. 
how we go in affects how we are when we come out. Jesus said you go in and you'll come out. When I was thinking about this, I thought about Moses. Sometimes we, I don't know if you ever feel this way, I feel like I wish I could stay in the presence of God forever. But you got life to live, right? Got stuff to do. Now I thought about Moses, you know, he went up into the presence of God and he came down and his face was shining. He had a glow on it. And so he had to put a veil over his face so he could interact with the people. What happened? When he went in, it affected what he was like when he came out. You see, we go in heavy laden. We go in beat up. We go in weak. We go in burdened. We go in overwhelmed. We go in needing rest. We come out with glory. We come out victorious. We come out supercharged. We come out full of joy. We come out full of faith. We come out as more than conquerors. We come out with a glow. We come out with light. We come out ready to conquer and witness and walk in the full power of God. And people look at what happened to you. Well, I went in. Uh, There's something different about you. I went in. Well, there's a glow on you. I went in. How come you ain't bothered by that anymore? Well, I went in. Why do you have so much peace in your storm? I went in. You need to go into the presence of God because when you go in, it affects how you are when you come out. And that's the key to abundant life. Have you been affected by the presence of God? Has Have you been in his presence long enough so that way when you come out, you have to veil yourself? Because there's so much of God's light emanating from you. In his presence is everything that we need. That's where the power, that's where we get filled up to live this life as the more than conquerors that Christ wants us to be. I don't know if... if if maybe this bears witness with you. But I'm sure that there's a direct correlation between people being defeated and people not spending time in the presence of God. I'm sure about it. Maybe maybe that doesn't apply to you, but, but I think it does. Because if you'll just get into the presence of God, you'll go in confused, you'll come out with answers. If you just go into the presence of God, you'll, you'll be heavy laden. You'll come out feeling light. In that presence, it's everything that we need. The greatest thing that's in that presence, the greatest reason why Jesus is the door, go in and out, is because he's the door to eternal life. Remember what he said? In John chapter 14, verse number 6. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. It's the only way to eternal life. The, the life that we've been talking about, the God kind of life on the inside that overflows to everything on the outside. And I don't know because I, I know most of you, but we never like to close our services without asking me, are you right with God? Do you have eternal life? Are your sins washed away? Do you know that when you leave earth, you'll spend eternity in heaven? Eternal life is not just for then, but it's for now. Because when that life of God comes on the inside of you, it affects everything on the outside of you. Maybe you're watching at one of our locations or at home. You don't have eternal life. You're not right with God. Jesus said he's the door to eternal life. Let's pray a prayer together. Would you join me in prayer? If you're here today 
And you don't know if you're right with God, but you want to be made right with God. If you're watching at home today or on television, and you don't know if you're right with God today, and you want to be made right with God, all you need to do is go through the door, Jesus. If that's you and you're in this place, if that's you at home, here's what I want you to do. Just put your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to receive eternal life. I need to give my life to Jesus. If you're at home, you can push. There's a little button. It's a hand. You can actually push it right there. And for the benefit of maybe the people that are watching there, can we all just stand to our feet and pray this prayer together? Come on. Maybe you're here. You didn't raise your hand and you wanted to. I want you to pray this prayer. Everybody at home, everybody here, pray it all together. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. I repent of my sins. And I ask you to forgive me. As I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I will never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. God bless all of you. Been good to be with you.